Get personal with loyalty, where we're discussing using loyalty to deliver personalized, relevant customer experiences. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Get Personal with Loyalty. I'm your host, Erin Reese, and I'm here today with Amanda Crumhout, founder of Truth and author of Blind Loyalty. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks for having me, Erin. Lovely to be here. So excited to have you here. As we were prepping for this, I was realizing how much you've been out in the world traveling and meeting all sorts of different people in the space and talking about loyalty and what loyalty can do. So I'm super excited to hear what you've been learning and what you've been seeing. But let's start out and talk a little bit about your background and how you got started in loyalty. So I was incredibly lucky, actually, Erin, that from day one, without it being a thought process, that I ended up in loyalty, like literally day one of my career. So I went from university where I studied marketing in French or business studies in French, and then ended up straight away on the graduate program with British Airways. And everything I did there was around the frequent flyer program. So British Airways and the executive club, I mean, obviously that's morphed into a new world these days, but Without realizing it, I was just fully immersed in in loyalty. And then after a fantastic 11-year career, I mean, I had an amazing career there. Things like I was one of the founding project directors of the One World Alliance, which is so well known these days as a multi-airline coalition almost or alliance. So, And then I came to South I met in one of my roles with British Airways, I was general manager for South Africa. So that's where I met my husband and became a Crom host, which isn't a very British name. And we decided to relocate and stay here. So it meant my career with BA had to end, so to speak. So I then took a short career break and then ended up in retail, had a wonderful few years in Woolworths, which is a premium retailer where I headed up their loyalty division and customer strategy division. And then truth arrived. I realized that I needed probably initially a little bit of motherhood and career balance. So I decided it was time to make it on my own and launched into truth. And from that day on was 13 years ago, it was a combination of being an executive coach, because that's what some of my training was as well, and being a loyalty consultant. And now I'm much more in the loyalty consultancy side than coaching, although I love the coaching and the teaching and the mentorship side. So yeah, a career that's been a fully thoroughly enjoyable, but quite a simple, straightforward career. I haven't bounced around a lot. It's been airline retail and then consultancy. Thank you for that. That's fascinating. I really like the executive coach aspect tied to loyalty. I'm not sure that people would see the two as synonymous, but I'm going to do. I think there's a huge opportunity to be coaching people at an executive level because Loyalty really truly is about how to grow your business and how to do it in a customer first way. Yeah. And what I find is my greatest passion actually is sharing knowledge. So without realizing it as a consultant, you're doing that. We run a training academy. So when I'm able to actually run the masterclasses and be the be the trainer, I absolutely love it. Writing the book that's we'll chat about later is an element of that as well. And we run mentorship programs where I do work with young loyalty professionals, really helping them through their day-to-day challenges with, you know, whether it's trying to persuade the board that loyalty is a good thing or whether it's other aspects of the challenges we all go through. So I find it an incredible combination, but I don't do pure executive coaching anymore where I just take on a coachy client. It's really combined with the loyalty journey. I think that that's really 
nice compliment. And what you're being able to do with that is pretty unique, but yet very interesting and much needed in the space. So you said something that I want to dive into is your your mentoring and your coaching people on the various challenges. As we mentioned, you have been out there traveling the, the globe <laughs> and talking to so many people. But I mean, I think the South Africa market is probably very interesting and we should touch on that. But then where are you seeing commonalities across the globe as well? You know, I think everybody we talk to is saying, I want to move toward personalization. Some people say individualization, but yet as consumers, we continue to have inboxes full of stuff that that isn't very personal and, and pretty generic. What are you seeing out there? What are people up against? What are the brands up against, the brand marketers? I think you're right that you as a consumer, all of us as consumers are just tired of this endless marketing and it's not really spam these days if if personalization is being done correctly but it still feels utterly overwhelming so i think less is more but in a more meaningful way and really adding a difference to the consumer's life is how you're going to get traction so in effect if you know i think about the brands that really make a difference for me aren't necessarily the ones that are sending me daily emails i mean i think we're all suffering the week leading up to black friday it's like 10 messages every few seconds and it's impossible to get that cut through right so so personalization is a given in my opinion like if brands are not doing that now then goodness where have they been for the last decade not just the last year there's technology that supports that there's the the will and the absolute application is necessary but i think where i'm seeing bigger impact is the consolidation of loyalty. You know, we're seeing some really interesting programs like, I mean, I'm very biased because I used to be in the airline industry, but if I look at like IAG loyalty and what they're doing with their Avios currency, they're no longer just serving the airlines. They've become a multi-merchant program. You look at American Airlines Advantage, you know, it's a multi-merchant program and actually moving through the tier status isn't necessary on your flying behavior, but actually on your merchant spend behavior. And that's enabling consumers to consolidate and maximize. You know, and there's all those stories, is our coalition programs dead? Well, maybe the traditional coalition programs are dead, but actually there's so many great brands that are actually pulling it together. So the whole brand experience is more powerful and less, less difficult for the consumer. And that's at the end of the day, what we're trying to achieve. And that combined with say some niche players, I'm finding there's some really nice niche players that are just doing personalization or surprise and delight or emotional loyalty, or the end result is emotional loyalty. They're just doing that really simply and really well. And you kind of remember that, you know, you remember, you know, if I think about it was my birthday last month, the, the brand that gave me a free facial as simple as that is, but they gave me something that was relevant. And of course, I'm going to go back and spend more with them. But I remember that rather than some dreadful list of email campaigns that just keeps going on and on and on. So it's going back to the basics and making it simpler and more meaningful and more impactful with personalization. You know, personalization in its own right now isn't a strategy brands should be chasing. They should be doing it as a basic 101. I don't disagree, but I think they're, how do you coach people on how? Is it, there's obviously the data aspect of, of being able to collect data in order to know. I do like the simplicity that you used in that example, but as a marketer sitting there saying, okay, well, how do I know that Amanda would like a facial and you know, Aaron wants a gift card? I'm out, who knows, Make, making that yeah. up, but like, how do you get there? Well, at the end of the day, I guess 
you hope that they've got the data points to pull off and that they've got the the technology to make that easier for them. So a player like a small boutique spa, that's a lot easier because they probably know me by name. They really do know how to make it personalized because they know me. But for the big players, you know, if I look at one of the big grocery retailers here in South Africa who've really launched into into loyalty late. They're one of the latest players here, but they've done it really well with great data. In fact, there's two brands. One is food grocery and one is non-food. So one is ShopRite Checkers Group or ShopRite Group, and they have the ShopRite brand and the Checkers brand. And the other one is TFG Rewards, and both of them are really using their data as they should do, as we talk about, as the as the as the textbook tells you you should be doing it, but they really are doing it. They're not just saying they're doing it. And they are able to get to that right level of personalization through immense data points and and great technology. So I think at the end of the day, big brands can't do it without that. And I know that's great news for everyone who's out there in data and technology. But at the end of the day, we're not in the soft marketing field. We're in a sophisticated science, science and soul, isn't it? I always talk about the science and soul, particularly in retailing. And that's what I love about retailing of most industries is if you can apply the science but understand the soul of the brand and the consumer, then you've got a chance. You can't let the science overtake all of the soul and just ignore the fact that this brand represents ABC and keep to, keep to the brand knitting, but apply the right science and apply it well and invest in great data. And great data management is the way a lot of companies fail, in, in my opinion, that they don't start the basics right so it's rubbish data in and therefore rubbish data out you know so it's so basic but get it just take strip it back to the basics and it will be a hundred percent better yeah that's interesting i think i spoke to a forester analyst not that long ago about this topic around data and she was really talking about the fact that data really needs to be governed from the top and there needs to be a plan And what has actually happened is you have all these different departments that are collecting data and they're not, they don't have a grand plan for it. So customer success could be collecting certain data points, your loyalty is collecting certain data points. Heck, maybe your CRM is collecting different data points even. So even within the marketing department, you're not consistent. And so how do you begin to craft that from the top that's universal across the organization? And that happens to be one of the key challenges, at least that she was talking about organizations have, because you can't bring it all together because you collected different stuff. Totally. And actually, listen to you then, Erin, it's very, very much a lot of what I'm doing in any mentorship relationship or consulting, to be honest, is talking about that change management process of being able to influence the top of the organization to just how do you get that cut through when when there's so many competing strategies, but the brands that are doing it, and actually, ironically, I'm going to go back to the two brands I've just mentioned. Both of them in their strategic investor presentations talk customer first, they talk loyalty, they talk data, they talk. So it's not just smoke and mirrors. They really mean it at the top of their organization. In fact, last week I released a LinkedIn post about TFG, about how their CEO on the investor platform was talking about this. And I think that is half the battle that a lot of companies struggle with. This may be companies where they just don't, you know, if it's a junior marketing person really trying their hardest, it doesn't matter how smart they are, how great the tech is, if they don't have the buy-in at the top. And talking about great data in, you know, another trend that's isn't necessarily a trend, but is the non-transactional data. So it's quite easy for us to catch the transactional data because 
the technology is geared to do that. But non-transactional insight can often drive that really powerful personalization and emotional connection so much more powerfully. And there is another brand, I'm actually, I'm pulling on South Africa brands because we've got great examples, but in Blind Loyalty book, I use them as an example They're across Africa, but all mutual rewards. So it's an insurer and they have so many non-transactional touch points where they incentivize members, whether they're actual clients or not of theirs, to learn about their financial situation, to learn about financial wellness, to learn about how to invest, to answer questionnaires and a whole list of activities they can do. But obviously, cleverly, they're being all of those data points are being captured superbly and then turned into a plan to cross-sell to, without attacking the, the member, cross-sell and bring them into the organization. They have a, they've proven they have a much higher response rate or upsell or product holding rate or retention level, and obviously, ultimately, customer lifetime value because they are able to just capture these soft data points as well as transactional and build the right profile, not just, oh, they spent X with us over a 12-month period. I love that. One of the points that I harp on a lot is getting that customer to interact in between transactions is really key. We see that just by interacting and and not even to the extent that you just explained, but could you put my hashtag about my brand or, or user-generated content, things like that, those people spend, we see at least 250% more than the people that just transact. So just that interaction can do to your bottom line, in addition to your point, all the, the data points that you can collect and then be able to drive customers back in because you're, again, so much more relevant with that. And yeah, I think your point around organizations that have the buy-in at the top make all the difference. I think we see that all over the place. And those are the companies whose earnings reports are, are stronger and they're consistently delivering. And so, yeah, I think the next time we talk, we'll have to have a course from you on, on how do you get that executive buy-in and how do you take this upward and get people educated and, and understanding the importance of all this for sure. So as, as we continue through the conversation, you did mention your book. And I know it's been a passion project for you and and congratulations, uh, everyone. It's called Blind Loyalty. And man, I know you have a story behind this. Would you like to share? Thanks, Erin. So yes, it's ironic. The book's behind me. And the day the book actually arrived at my office was the day I was able to take the eye patch off. So a lot of people who don't know me that well actually sometimes thought the eye patch was a marketing gimmick and a way of raising funds or a way of raising funds for a charity. And, you know, when I have a chance to explain it to individuals, I'm like, no, this is real. <laughs> this actually matters. So oh, um, yes, it does. last year, I won't, I won't go into a lot of detail, but I was struck by a very rare, resistant and extremely terrifying eye. I'll call it a disease. It wasn't a disease in medical terms that left me blind, left me in intense pain for three months. I was off work for three months. And I had to have two emergency corneal transplants and during this whole process. And then I was left without sight in my right eye, which meant I had to wear the patch because it interfered with the, the good eye. So for me to be able to see at all, I had to eliminate all interference. So that was hence the patch. And through this process, it was very terrifying because if they hadn't, if the surgeon had, wasn't able to save do what he did so magically, I would be with a glass eye now. He is confident 
he can't believe I actually don't have a glass eye. And if he hadn't even caught that in time, it could have penetrated behind my eye, which is obviously into my brain. So, so very terrifying. I had no signs of it coming. I had no warning signs. I woke up on the 9th of March and it all happened. Oh. So I, through that process, said to my surgeon and my family, like, how does someone who can't afford medical aid, insurance, all the drugs that are required, all the surgeries that are required, get through this? And the bottom line is they don't. So I decided that's not right. Like, that's actually really not right. Like, it was so horrific. And I had all the insurance and financial backing I needed. So hence, we founded the Blind Loyalty Trust. And actually, Erin, I'm talking to you today on a very special day because I've just been sent the photograph of a young man. I can't reveal his name yet because I haven't got a signature on a paper. But our first beneficiary, who we're going to save his eyesight, he's 13 years mm. old. And I've got a photograph they sent me when they told him that we were going to cover those feet. That And this photograph, this little boy's face is just full of, like, can't describe it, like almost brings me to tears. So, so just that alone, if we don't do anything else, which is ridiculous, we will, but has made this whole thing worthwhile. So that's the trust, the Blind Loyalty Trust. How are we raising funds for the trust? So I'm a bit of a crusade, as people know, so I want it to be the like global beneficiary of our fabulous loyalty industry, hence the name Blind Loyalty. The ways we raise funds is through redemption from loyalty programs. So we've got some great programs running with Blind Loyalty being the redemption partner. And any brand out there who would like to support us with, <laughs> just give me a call. We... 100% of the profits from the book go to the trust. So, but that what I want to stress is it doesn't mean it's a casual loyalty book. It's a proper loyalty book, but all of the profits go to the trust. And then we've had a lot of really generous corporate donations and we sell what we call the Blind Loyalty Relate bracelet, which is this beautiful little bracelet. And I'm encouraging anyone around the world in the loyalty world just to wear them and support the fund. But the book itself, I've been meaning to write a book on loyalty for years, but never quite got to it. And I always laugh when I say this because I was like, who actually wants to read a book on loyalty? Like, <laughs> we're so busy. <laughs> I just didn't want to pick up heavy book and, you know, plow my way through it because I can't keep up with content generated through LinkedIn and through YouTube and so on anyway. So, so I decided to do it in a way that resonates with how we run our coaching practice the consultancy practice truth, which is we simplify everything. A lot of our clients say, wow, Amanda, you've, we've had another consultant in that just confused us. You've simplified it. And that is something I pride ourselves on as a consultancy business. So we there are 101 chapters, two pages a chapter, and in two pages, we surmise that that chapter. And I think, to be brutally honest, any of us like you and as a loyalty professional, I could easily have found another 101 to write about. So it was a difficult choice to narrow it down. But that's effectively that the idea of how to do it and the name of the book came to me whilst I was lying in my painful bed for three months. Out of blindness comes vision, right? It's, it's just one of those stories. It's a remarkable story. And and I'm not sure everybody knows, too, is not only did you write the book, but you came out of all this, it seems, stronger than ever. You ran marathons, plural, too? Yeah, so there's, well, I used to run them before as well, so it wasn't like okay. a, new, a new craze, but there's an incredible marathon in South Africa. It's an ultra marathon of 90 kilometers. So I always joke saying, what's well, a park run? 
with two marathons before it. So, wow. <laughs> so the, com- the Comrades Ultra Marathon, I'd be I'd done I'd run six of them prior. So this was my seventh, but I did run it with one eye, which was challenging. But I didn't fall over once. I didn't fall over in my training. So I actually almost fell the day I took my patch off because it was suddenly a different you know vision altogether. But Yep. So that's the Comrades Marathon, which helped us raise more funds, which was the industry and friends supported me, which was great. It's amazing. And somebody that's been in this space, it sounds like probably for at least the same length of our careers, because I got into it right out of school, similar to, to your story. I've thought many times about writing a book, but I could never figure out, like, to your point, <laughs> who needs another textbook? Who needs, what am I going to say that's going to be really relevant? So. I- when you told me that you did it this way, I'm like, oh, that's the best idea <laughs> because it's enough to get an understanding of the concept and and be able to use it and be able to have a book that's dog-eared. Okay, I'm going to come back to this because uh, this is going to be a great reference for me on this particular topic. And then if I want to dig in deeper, I certainly can, but it gives you what you need to know about each and so I think that's amazing. And then also, as you said, you did the 101, but you could probably do another 101. So maybe there's a blind loyalty, too, that you'll be coming out with. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> you did it. I believe you tapped a, a good number of, of friends in the industry as well. What stood out as you went through it? Even though you've done this a whole lot, I'm sure there's been some aha moments that you had along the way. Any of those you care to share? Yeah, so we had about 20 contributors. So of the 101 chapters, about 20 had a very, you know, capable contributor, which was fantastic. I could have had a lot more, but I it just felt I needed to own a bit more of the writing. But the 20 contributors, some were friends, some are folks I approached out of just knowing they were specialists in, in one particular area. The, the chapters that I certainly learned the most from were areas that I wouldn't necessarily call myself a specialist in. I mean, none of us can be specialists in everything. So, you know, I had Len Laguno talking about liabilities, a deep, deep expert. So he, he, it just, it completely made sense. Although I think it's probably one of the more complicated chapters of the book because it's a complicated discussion point. We had Everett de Boer talking around the actual, some of the parts of an evaluation from FFP is worth so much more than the actual airline, which is obviously quite close to my heart being from the airline industry. And then I had good friends like Ian Pringle or Dave Slavic, David Slavic, talking about coalition or partnerships, which has changed so much over the recent years. So, And then what we did do, we broke the, as well as it being a learning 101 chapters, there are about, I think there are about 12 of those chapters are industry specific. So a lot of the industry specific chapters have a contributor. So whether it's QSR, whether it's FFP, Rob McDonald contributes FFP, Rob's from IAG Loyalty, grocery retail, fashion retail, beauty retail. So we managed to break down some of the big industries. And again, as you say, I could have broken down even further. And I really appreciated their input. But throughout, we've got quotations. We've got quotations from yourself, quotations, you know, Annex Cloud or anyone. Else. I found a lot of resources, super, super yeah, easily available, but super powerful in the sense that it really brings the concept to life. So I was more than happy to continuously reference some really amazing resource. What else did I learn about writing a book is it's not easy. Like it's you think it's OK because you've got the knowledge in your head, but it's actually the... The actual technical side of writing a book, I 
I don't think I'll rush it into too quickly again. It's exhausting to, you know, after four proof readers later and you're still finding errors, you know, it's just, so it's a difficult process. But what I'm saying is, you know, there's so much information out there. It's a question of just pulling it together so it makes sense. But actually, I think writing something in just two pages can be a lot harder than writing a whole chapter of 10 pages or 20 pages on that subject. So I was very strict with the contributors. I said, I'm not moving from this concept. You stick to the two pages. And it's worked. It's, I think it's worked. But obviously, there's other, there's other great books out there that talk loyalty as well that are vastly different. And I don't for one moment think that Blind Loyalty trumps any of those. I just think it's a very different book and very different style. By all means, I agree with you and have a tendency to, again, having been in this, we'm sure we've all read them all. <laughs> but but no, I, again, I really like the style. I like the, I think the hear you in the two pages had to be really tough, especially for something like Glenn's part, if you will. I also you think that the partnership stuff is tough too. There's so many different angles to go. There's partnership and then there's coalition and you can probably put a, a whole book together on that and the modeling that associated with it and the pros and cons and benefits and everything. But being able to you know, distill it down to the most specific two pages, but I think that that's what makes the book really interesting and valuable is it can be this resource that you can get at the information quickly and easily. And I think that that provides an amazing value. Kudos to you for uh, mm-hmm. thinking about it that way and and for holding everybody Thank <laughs> to, you. to your rules yeah. of the two pages. Highly recommend <laughs> Thank to you. everybody. Thank you. Um, it was actually really nice when I asked, I asked four individuals to review the book. And when they came back, you know, I was tender hooks waiting for their opinion. And they were all extremely experienced. One gentleman wasn't a loyalty expert. He's a very, very top business journalist. But the other three are very, very experienced loyalty professionals. And interestingly, I said, well, which chapters did you find the most interesting? And I remember Rob McDonald from IAG Loyalty was one of our reviewers. And he went, Amanda, the chapters around communication. And I'm not a communication expert. I've never worked in agency. I don't, I gladly hand that over to experts in agency environment, CRM agency. But I, I know enough to help a loyalty professional know what they're looking for and know how to work with it. And it was fascinating for me that I guess why that appealed to him as well, because maybe it's outside of the areas that we normally work in. Because, you know, when when would someone of Rob's calibre sit and worry about the actual member engagement plan or or the loyalty lexicon language and so on? So it was interesting feedback. And are you now doing interviews around the book as well? It's loyalty folks. So Erin, I would love to have you on, on Blind Loyalty Challenge. It's a maximum of 10 minutes. It's fast. It's furious. But the questions are blind. So you don't see them until I ask you. <laughs> it's called the Blind Loyalty Challenge. So I'm looking and it's the pun is on the word blind. So and it's oh fun. Like it's just it's just fun. And like if you stumble, it's OK. Like it's it's OK because it's just fun. I'm not there to catch you out. I'm just there to get the spontaneity. And I remember my first gentleman I interviewed was Ian Pringle and Ian couldn't remember something and he was sitting there and laughing and going oh sh-, you know and, and I said do you want me to edit it afterwards he says absolutely not <laughs> which to me it's is perfect. the fun and it's short and sharp and furious so it's six or, it's seven or eight minutes and then at the end of it you get to tag who the next person can be so what's great is it's enabling me to 
meet amazing loyalty professionals around the world. I've already met a whole heap of people I didn't know before. And it's short and sharp. So it's not it's not an informative, deep discussion. I don't do an introduction to their history. Their, it's like, hey, Erin, how are you? Right. Question one. You know, so, but the sound bites on coalition, the sound bites on tiering, the sound bites on subscription-based loyalty, whatever it is. And it's actually a lot of fun. So yeah, I release one a week just to keep the energy alive and quick, short, sharp on Zoom. It's not studio-based. and That's a fabulous idea. Keeps it exciting, keeps it top of mind. What can we do to help other than what we're doing now, talking about it and promoting, but any ask how to get involved. How, how do we get involved? Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for asking. So obviously, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not naive to the fact I've written a book and it's getting some PR is great for truth, my business and myself. So, you know, I'm not pretending this is all about the trust. It's just magnificent for me that every single penny goes to the trust. We've covered the costs now of printing. Every single book through Amazon is 100%, not 100% of what goes to Amazon, but everything Amazon gives us goes straight into the trust. So please do think about, you know, whether it's for gifts for staff, gifts for clients. The book is a great read. It's simple. It's available. We have these beautiful bracelets. If you're running a conference, we can get it personalized with your logos on. I've just been at a couple of conferences. The conference in Amsterdam, Hadi from the, the Big Handshake, she bought a bracelet with the sponsors for every single attendee. And it just gets the message across, gets people a bit more conscious that, you know, I find my team and I were talking the other day, they actually said, what do you most enjoy about work? I asked all of us to ask, answer that. And I most enjoy that I can combine an incredibly exciting career that I love, that's commercially solid with doing good. It makes such a difference now. We have the Blind Loyalty Trust interwined into what truth is. It feels right, it is right makes sense. So so I'd love the industry to join us. So there's three main ways, the book, the bracelets, and then if you are a, a currency, a loyalty currency that can be redeemed into a charity, please consider the Blind Loyalty Trust. We would be extremely grateful because that's a very quiet annuity income for the trust and it can make such a difference. And then for myself personally, you know, if you're interested in how to radically simplify loyalty and you're looking for a keynote speaker, that's the kind of thing I love because I love the the coaching and the sharing side. I'd happily join conferences. Maybe the book can be paid for by a sponsor or whatever makes sense for the conference organizers and the sponsors. But I'm not here to promote myself. It's, you know, it's to have a great discussion about loyalty and the fact you've you've mentioned blind loyalty. I'm really grateful. And the trust is, you know, today was a massive day. The, the fact that I got this photograph of this young boy and we've got three or four other beneficiaries waiting to receive corneal transplants, which is an expensive procedure. We're going to change people's lives and collectively the industry can support us. It's amazing. Being sight impaired. If you if you know anyone who's sight impaired, trust me, I've been there. It's utterly terrifying. So, you know, let's help people who can't help. They can help themselves emotionally, but financially, maybe they can't. Certainly, it's near and dear to my heart, too. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, but it's so exciting that you have the first person. And also, there's others. So we all have to come together and, and continue to help and support so we can help more than just one. So how do they do that, though? So shared where if somebody wants to add 
the trust as a redemption option? Do they just reach out to you or do you have a website where they can go to get more information or order the bracelets? Just reach out to me. It's really simple. Amanda at truth.co.za. There's a few websites, but let's keep it simple. Amanda at truth. And then I can you know, we can customize whatever anybody needs. The easiest way to get the book outside of South Africa, South Africa, we sell it locally because there actually isn't Amazon in South Africa, but around the rest of the globe, Amazon's by far the easiest. They print on demand. That's fantastic. So yeah, but anything else, I'm here, I'm email away and would just love to connect with anyone. And actually anyone who wants to be on the blind loyalty challenge, just send me a mail. Can I, I'll pop your name on the list, Erin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wait. <Love laughs> well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much, Amanda. Anything else you want to share with the, the audience before we wrap? No, it's just lovely to chat to you and catch up again. And thanks very much. And yeah, lovely. I can talk loyalty all day as we all can. So thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for sharing your story telling us about the trends that that are happening out there and and words of wisdom is to keep it simple is kind of how I summarize what you were talking about from the data perspective and you do what people are looking for. Thank you for sharing all that. I look forward to following you more on LinkedIn and seeing where you're going to be next and what you're going to be doing. Thanks, Erin. Lovely to connect. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Get Personal with Loyalty. Join us next time for more loyalty insights. Until then, dare to dream. Let Annex Cloud help make your dreams a reality. Visit AnnexCloud.com. See you soon.